Good morning. How's everybody doing out there in internet land? I'm so glad that you're joining us this morning and hanging out with us online. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Chris, and I'm just so glad to be worshiping you in this digital way. Hey, I want to say hey to our crew in here. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Good to see you. Thank you so much for being here this morning and like making stuff happen online. It's pretty cool. Um, man, I, I want to get into today's teaching. So it might be weird to you, okay, but I grew up in what I would call a singing family. Uh, we sang. I mean, it's like some families are like sports families. Some families are like cooking families, hunting families. I don't know. We were cool with that other stuff. It was all good. But like at our heart, we were a singing family. Like we loved to sing. Like no matter what it was, what it was, we sang. If it was on the radio, we're singing classic rock tunes. If we're on like a church, we're singing, you know, all the great old hymns and gospel tunes, show tunes. I mean, Mary Poppins and uh, all the Disney classics. And we're all, if it was happening, my, my family was singing it in four-part harmony and we were getting down and we loved it. Now, as a kid, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to sing with my family. But it began to kind of like grind on my identity as a teenager, you know, because you're kind of like, am I, am I too cool for this? Like, what's going on? Other, I wonder if other people, families sing together quite like that. And so it was funny dealing with that. Uh, when I first started uh, dating my wife, now my wife, uh, we were actually in high school together when we, when we started dating. And so she came over, um, I guess it was our first Christmas together. She came over the night that our family was decorating the Christmas tree, and there was like a movie on, and there's some singing in it, and so this moment where the beat just dropped, and the Woolard family broke out in a four-part harmony, and we were just like singing to the top of our lungs, and there's my girlfriend, Lindsay, just sitting on the couch like, what is going on? And she still tells the story to that day, like, that was a weird moment for us. What I didn't realize was that in that moment, not only was she there to hang out with my family, it was also kind of an interview. Like, this is a test. Like, is she the one? And I got to tell you, that was 21 Christmases ago, and uh, she throws down a harmony with us, with the best of us. And so I think she likes it. I think she likes it. Uh, here's the deal. We all have crazy Christmas traditions. I, I wonder what are yours. Uh, I love seeing the comments uh, underneath the video here. So take a second right now. Talk about some of your favorite Christmas traditions. What are the things you like to do? The weirder, the better. Like if it is something you're like, I might not type this. Uh, keep it PG because like there's kids watching. But, uh, you know, write down like what are the things that you do that you think other families might not have done? And you might find some friends through this that, that do the same kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're in this teaching series right now called Christmas at the Movies, and we're using popular Christmas movies as a springboard to get into God's Word, and it's been a lot of fun. We've looked at a couple movies. I was real pumped last week to get to hear Joe Cartwright speak. Uh, he used the movie Elf, and I talked about joy, but first of all, man, it was just, Joe, I love you, dude. Uh, you, you did a great word last week, and it was good to learn from you some, and uh, I know that our team here was dealing with all kinds of like technical gremlins going on. These guys were champs. Like Y'all don't even know behind the scenes what was going on, because some crazy junk was going on with our, our broadcasting stuff. Uh, but Joe, man, you really threw down it. And he was, it was pretty uh, you know, vulnerable with us. And he shared some stuff about uh, the passing of his father and, and how to find joy in really hard times. So go back and check that out if you haven't already. Uh, I love the movie series that we do each year and the different themes. And this year that it's Christmas, it's a lot of fun because I have a lot of favorite Christmas movies. But the movie that I'm using today as our springboard, it might be number one for me. And I know it's like, that's the kind of thing you say all the time. Like, that's my favorite movie. They're all your favorite movie. I know. You ready to find out what this week's movie is? This week, okay, we're going to take a time machine way back. Of course, my first movie was pretty way back too. 1954, Bing Crosby, White Christmas. 
Yeah, you like it? Have you, are you familiar with the movie? I, I'm actually learning that a lot of younger people just haven't seen it. Uh, I think it's just not on TV as much as maybe it used to be or whatever, DVD. It's not on, is it on Netflix? I don't think so. Actually, I think it might be. If it's on Netflix, they're saying it's on Netflix. Check it out. Um, we still use the uh, VHS tape. or put it. In, no, we don't. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, I got a clip for you today. It's actually, again, Time Machine. We're going to actually watch one of the original theater trailers from this thing. They didn't do movie trailers back then the way they do them now. They were, they were special. So I want to turn your eyes to uh, this movie trailer from 1954 for White Christmas. Check it out. Never saw the sunshine so bright, never saw things go so right. Notice in today's hurry and by when you're in love, my heart they fly. Oh. Lord help the mister who comes between me and my sister. And Lord help the sister who comes between me and my man. The two greatest figures in show business, Bing and Danny, as two ex-GIs who form the perfect partnership. Rosemary and Vera Ellen as the sisters who have them in a spin. With Dean Jagger as the unemployed general they take under their wing. Apparently there's still quite a bit about show business I don't understand. Oh, it'll come to you, sir. Just takes time. We wouldn't be any good as generals. You weren't any good as privates. A wonderful story that will warm your hearts, just as the breathtaking scope of a new screen wonder will widen your eyes. White Christmas. your daisy. you want to go home right now and watch it. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, check it out. It's a great story. And if you didn't pick up on this, it's a musical, okay? And so I got to be honest with you. Like, even though I told you the story, I grew up in a singing family. Like, musicals aren't my favorite. Uh, there are a few that I really get down with. I got a list. It's very short. You want to know my list of musicals? Uh, Hamilton, Aladdin, either one, the old one or the new one. They're both good. And I, they have mostly the same songs. But it, And White Christmas, pretty solid list. That's, those are, the, those are the, the musicals that I really go down, uh, throw down on. But um, I opened up talking about singing with my family. And honestly, I cannot think of a group of songs that I have sung more times with my family than the songs from this movie. I'm talking about, I grew up, my dad was a preacher. We sang a lot of hymns. I think we sang these songs more than like Amazing Grace, okay? Every single Christmas, we're throwing down these things. We're singing them throughout the year. They're these earworms that get stuck in your head, right? And you can't get them out. Snow, 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 snow. It won't be long before we'll... I'll stop. Uh, it's, it's unavoidable. So many songs. Um, the movie White Christmas is almost 70 years old. That's a pretty old movie. And if you haven't seen it, let me just give you a quick synopsis. You saw some from the trailer, but let me just kind of fill you in. You basically come in and you meet these soldiers near the end of World War II. And it actually follows them a little bit after World War II. We meet Captain Bob Wallace and Private Phil Davis. They're both singers and entertainers. And so they have organized, they're also soldiers, they have organized like a band, an entertainment group, to entertain the troops over uh, in Europe somewhere. And they put on this special so show to kind of as a send-off for the good old General Waverly. And, uh, and that's when we, uh, we, meet, well, we, we meet the old man. We'll follow the old man wherever he wants to go. It's unavoidable. I just got to sing him. And then at the end of this show, they sing the song, 
White Christmas, okay? And so there's this somber moment. They've had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, but White Christmas starts playing, and all these soldiers are sitting in this battlefield, and there's planes flying over, there's bombs falling, and they're dreaming of a White Christmas just like the ones they used to know, you know, where everything was peaceful and everything was different, and we're not at war anymore. I want you to hold on to that moment because that's the moment right there that's really going to guide us through the rest of our teaching time today. There's a lot more that happens throughout the movie. Uh, after the war, Bob and Phil, they, they become famous entertainers, and they can travel. They team up with another duet, the Haynes Sisters. There's a sister's song, too. You might have seen it in the trailer. I'm not going to sing that one, if only, if only there were enough time. Uh, and and they, they ultimately kind of combine forces, and they want to put on this special show again for General Waverly, and it culminates in a white Christmas again. And I, and I won't ruin any of the movie for you. You should go check it out. It's, it's heartwarming. It's good. But whether you've seen the movie or not, I'm almost positive you have heard the song, White Christmas. It is the number one piece of, uh, of, of the movie, To Survive. In fact, uh, some, fun song, some fun facts about the song, White Christmas. Firstly, the song was originally written for a radio program and performed and recorded by Bing Crosby in 1941 about more than 10 years before the movie came out. Uh, and it was recorded again for a different movie uh, in 1942, not White Christmas, okay? Now, that song just took off like wildfire. I mean, it went, it became a huge hit because there were some other things happening in 1941, 1942 around the world. Do you remember what was going on in 1941, 42? World War II. And the concept, the notion of a white Christmas where my days are merry and bright, like, that just really hit home with all the soldiers in, in all of the war theaters and also the families at home that were waiting for their, their loved ones to come home from war, many who would not come home. And so this song just took off, and it really hasn't stopped resonating with us today. Check this out. According to several websites, and one of them is Wikipedia, the, the song White Christmas, it just blew my mind, okay? This might not blow your mind as much as it blew my mind, but the song White Christmas is the number one all-time worldwide best-selling single. It is above the list, above songs by Elton John and Elvis Presley, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, and, and anyone else who ever put out a single. Because it is the number one all-time best-selling single by physical unit. I don't know if it counts like digital stuff. But that's impressive because it resonates with us. I think there's a part of us that really wants this white Christmas feeling. And just in case you don't know the lyrics or haven't for, or forgotten them, this, here they are kind of in poetry style. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know, where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write. May your days be merry and bright, and may all your Christmases be white. It, it paints this picture of just a beautiful place. Uh, now, we don't have many white Christmases here in Wilmington. In fact, I didn't grow up knowing white Christmases. Those of you from the Northeast, like you're like, yeah, I do dream of those days. But it's a sentiment, right? It's an idea. It's an ideal. This idea that the world could be collapsing all around you, like it was back in World War I and II, II when this song came out. To think that the world is falling down all around them, yet, you know, in their wartime mentality they still have the ability to hope like that fascinates me it fascinates me that the world can be falling down all around us and that we still think yeah it'll get better 2020 has been rough 
right? There's no secret about 2020. I have, have been thinking about this this week, and I think we might need to take a step back because I think that, like, the people from World War I and World War II and the Great Depression, like, all of them would be like, <laughs> chump. Like, well, oh, you couldn't leave home? Oh. But, you know, like, but I don't want to downplay. It's been rough. Some of you have had loss. You've lost loved ones. You've lost jobs. You've, we've all experienced loss, and, and, and everything feels different. But we maintain that ability to, like, hope for a better day. Isn't that, isn't that cool? It's built into the fabric of who we are. And I have a theory, I believe that is true, uh, that the reason that is is because we were created in the image of God. And that as creations created in the image of God, we have his character and we have the ability to know that, yes, good is possible, right? And it exists and we can have it in our lives. We can achieve it and we can be part of it. Um, And God does us one better because he gives us the greatest story ever by coming to earth in human form. And that is what we celebrate at Christmas. So, To use that idea as a springboard into God's word today, I want to get you to get your Bibles out. We're going to be in the book of Luke in the New Testament today, Uh, Luke chapter 1, actually. Luke is one of the biographies of the life of Jesus, and we get a lot of uh, like the birth story and even his his ministry, the miracles he did, all from the book of Luke. And we're going to meet in chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, two very real people with some very real issues, some things that they were dealing with. Two godly people, uh, first a priest named Zechariah and a lady named Elizabeth, his wife. They were an older couple, and they had their own set of struggles. Uh, I'm sure there were lots of struggles in their life, but the main one we learn about is that, that Elizabeth wasn't able to have a child. And, man, that's a hard thing to walk through. And maybe you've been through that or you're going through that now. I certainly have walked through it with close friends of mine. It's heavy, and that's what Elizabeth, so you can relate with Elizabeth at least right now, and, and, and you know, husbands maybe with Zechariah. And Luke 1, 8, we're going to meet Zechariah, and he's actually about to go into his priestly duties in the temple, and he's got this opportunity, a pretty rare opportunity for him to go and actually serve in the temple in a specific way. So we're going to pick up, and something crazy and amazing is about to happen in their story, specifically with their struggle. In verse 11, this is Luke, Luke 1, verse 11, it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled. He was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. Skip down to verse 16. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. That phrase would have meant a lot to the people listening uh, to this first telling of the story. To turn, their hearts, uh, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. This last phrase is huge. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So all that last part was just uh, kind of uh, references to some Old Testament passages, specifically the stuff about Elijah, about this Messiah that was going to come and that there was going to be someone who came before the Messiah as kind of a herald, a, a, a forerunner, who was going to say, hey, he's almost here. And that's going to be this baby. So, wow, a pretty good day at work for Zechariah. You know, like, hey, by the way, first of all, you're going to have a child. Congratulations. Uh, but not just any child. This is going to be a super special child. Like this child is going to be the forerunner of this Messiah that your people have been waiting on for hundreds of years. And you get to be the one who, who tells them about that. Not a bad day at the office. We all have struggles in our life. I mean, you know what yours are, but maybe it's something to do with work or relationships or health issues, stress, anxiety, depression. Maybe it's addiction or loss. Like we all have our own set of issues. Most of us have like a Venn diagram of issues and we're just trying to make it. 
Zechariah and Elizabeth's issue was that they couldn't have kids. But like we do, they had kind of come to terms with that. Uh, you know, they were getting old. And in their mind, they were like, well, I mean, if it hasn't happened yet, it's probably not going to happen, <laughs> you know? And so they've come to terms with that. And I think we do that with our, our issues a lot, whether it's our sin or just brokenness in us. We're like, well, this is just how I am. This is how it is. And, you, and we come to terms with it, and that's probably a healthy thing in a lot of ways. But Zechariah is going to respond to the angel, and he's going to respond in a way that I think most of us would with skepticism. Okay, so verse 18, he says, how can I be sure of this? Like, in case you didn't know, Gabriel, I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And uh, he I mean, he's lived long enough. He's experienced disappointment. He's probably gone down this road of hope before, and he's like, I, don't, I can't go home and tell my wife that. Like, we can't do this again. I love the angel's response, and it, 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 I don't know. Just check out what he says. The angel's like, um, I didn't stutter. Uh, he says in verse 19, he says, well, Zechariah, old man, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now, you will be silent, and you will not be able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Fair enough, Gabriel. Uh, yeah, you got that position, and you can do that. And before you get too frustrated at Gabriel, it turns out God is going to use this kind of mutedness as a really special way to actually bolster the reliability of this story and actually bring other people into faith uh, but it's probably not the sign that Zechariah was like looking for when he said hey show me a sign <laughs> um he but but God's going to use this and Zechariah's really going to see that man I've got a plan not only uh, for you and your wife but for this child so nine months go by however long it takes for this this baby to come and the time comes for the baby to be born so we skip ahead now to verse 57 we're still in Luke chapter 1 verse 57 when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Now, at this point, it's just like a normal baby being born. I mean, that's still a miracle. We're still excited. But it's like, yay, Elizabeth had a baby. Kind of interesting. She's pretty old, but that's pretty awesome. So there's a big celebration that goes on there, but they have no idea that it's about to get even better. Verse 62. So then they made signs to the father, Zechariah, to find out what he would like to name the child, because that was their cultural tradition. The father would name the child. Remember, he's been mute for nine months. So verse 63. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's establishment, to establishment, to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, "His name is John." Why were they astonished? Well, I they might have assumed that it, you're going to name him like like Zach Junior or something, right? You've waited this long to have a son, aren't you going to name him after yourself? That's a very big part of their culture. His name is John, and, and because that's what the angel had told him to name the baby, this is when God restores Zechariah's ability to speak. And then something cool happens. Verse 64, it says, immediately his mouth was open, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak. What's the first thing he does? Praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. Why? Well, they'd seen that he was a mute for the last nine months. They were like, hey, we're praying for you, Zach. We don't know what's going on, right? And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. The word spreads. Everyone who heard this wondered about it and asked, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was on him. See how cool it is that God used like Zechariah's doubt and this consequential muteness to then come around and be like, oh yeah, well, it was just going to be like a birth announcement, but check this out. You can speak now, and then what is he telling? We're just going to tell a story about what I saw in the temple and what the angel Gabriel said, and, this, and the word begins to spread, and people get to have extra faith. You know, 
Zechariah asked for a sign, but I don't think he had any clue how important that sign would end up being. And finally, he gets to tell the story. And like a Christmas musical, Zechariah breaks into song. And that's what we pick up in verse 68. This is actually called Zechariah's song. And in verse 68, we get this. He says, and I don't know the tune of this song, so I'm just going to read it. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. He makes a connection all the way back to Genesis. I see what's happening here. The Messiah goes all the way back to Abraham. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to ensure us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then I imagine that he looks down at his new son, John, verse 76. He says, and you, my child, you will be called prophet of the most high. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. So Zechariah hears this news. He can can speak. His son is born. He wants to proclaim this is what this is about. This is the fulfillment of prophecy. I have vivid memories of the nights that both of my kids were born. Uh, well, the nights, the, their first nights, as I was holding them, and, and my wife was slumbering deeply because she had just worked very hard. And what I did with both of my kids was I told them the story of creation. And then I told them that the world sometimes is hard, and then I told them about Jesus. I don't think they remember that. <laughs> but it was because I had this overwhelming sense of like, powerlessness if you're a parent maybe you've seen this it's like you know how hard the world's going to be and you know they're going to get picked on and pushed down and you know they're going to get fired from jobs and you don't know how they're going to turn out and all you want to do is give them the best and so the, the best that I know to give my kids is to teach them about Jesus and so I started then and I hope that I'm continuing that to the best of my ability to this day Zechariah has this opportunity he's holding this baby and not only does he get to celebrate like their own personal victory, we had a baby, like we were waiting so long, they never thought it would happen, and then it happened. But they also get to proclaim that same hope, the hope that we as parents can share with our children. He got to be like, my child gets to be the forerunner of that hope. Like he's going to be in the story. He gets to be part of this tale. And then he gets to announce what it means. We saw it in verse 78. He says, because of the tender mercy of God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on the lo- those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet to the path of peace. Talk about a proud dad, to know that he's going to play a part in God's story. You see, what Zechariah shares isn't just hope for him. It, it's hope for the whole world. For centuries, everyone had dreamed of what I'm going to call a white Christmas and the days are merry and bright, and everything's great. But Zechariah gets to look and go, I saw God work. I got to hear from an angel. I got to experience a miracle in my own right. And I got to see the beginnings of this story. 
and, and, and we see prophecies all throughout the Old Testament talk about what this story is going to mean. Isaiah does a lot of them. In chapter 1, verse 18, Isaiah says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. There were dozens and dozens, dozens of prophecies like this. And God's people, the nation of Israel, they waited. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and there had to have been a point for so many of them. In fact, there were, we know it by reading the stories, where they were like, is this ever going to happen? In fact, many of them were like, this is just a joke. It's just old wives' tales. Like, that's not going to happen. They became a people filled with despair. That's why over and over in Scripture, we see them falling away from God. And Zechariah, he describes the world that he lived in as a world living in darkness and in the shadow of death. Does that sound familiar? But now he knows there's hope. There's a new story happening. There's something that can go on differently. Now, if you're not familiar with the Christmas story uh, very well, maybe you're new to church, or you're actually wondering, like, I thought there was another baby at Christmas. Why are we, huh? John? I thought his name was Jesus. Maybe they have different names. I don't know. They do that in the Bible. They change names. No, this isn't the baby Jesus, okay? That's a whole different story. This guy, he grows up to be known as a guy called John the Baptist, okay? And so if you don't know the story or you just need a refresher, let me, let me tell you about this guy, John the Baptist. John grows up to be a really well-respected teacher and leader, a rabbi. Some would say he actually might have been Jesus' rabbi when he was younger. That's a whole controversial, fun topic to talk about, but that's, that's a fun thing. Uh, many of John's first followers became Jesus' first disciples. How about that? In fact, John, John was constantly teaching, you know, someone's going to come after me whose sandals I'm unworthy to tie, you know. This guy's going to come. He was a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the path for the Messiah. And so he's teaching this to his disciples so when Jesus comes along, they go to follow him. He's known as the forerunner of Christ. It would be John who inaugurated the ministry of Jesus. It was John who got the privilege of baptizing Jesus. And God shows up and the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. And God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And John got to see that. He got to hear that. He got to hold and touch and hug Jesus. So as Zechariah singing this song, he has no idea any of that's going to happen. But he knows there's hope. And he knows that God has a plan. And God has started something and that God has never let his people down. And maybe that's what you need to hear right now. That God sets in the plan all the time. Things to help us out, to bring us hope. That's the story of Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. That's why we're doing this today. In 2020, when it started, it was full of hope, wasn't it? I mean, it's a new, you know, new decade. That's fantastic. I remember doing a teaching series back in January called Jumpstart, I think. Does anybody remember that? It was back in January, seven years ago in January. And uh, I remember saying from stage when we used to meet over in the YMCA gym, and I remember saying, 2020 could be the year, the year that you look back at 10 years from now, and you go, that was the year that God got my attention. And I started taking my faith seriously. And here's the thing. 2020 didn't go as we planned. I still believe those words. Maybe, maybe the sign that we've been asking for, I don't know. I don't want to go too much into the allegory nature of Zechariah's story. But this is what we needed. For God to say, listen, will you please let go of the reins and let me steer this thing? Because there is hope. And the same promises that were being fulfilled in the presence of Zechariah and Elizabeth are still being fulfilled today. And as we head into this Christmas season, I hope that we can remember that. That you can be reading in your Bibles and understanding the story, the broader story, not just a baby in a manger, but a Savior on a cross. I've heard it said that if, if our greatest need in life was pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. 
And that if our greatest need in life was money, God would have sent a financial advisor. And if our greatest need in life was knowledge and information, God would have sent more books. But God knew that our greatest need was a spiritual need. It was a soul-deep need. It was a need for forgiveness of sins and connection with God and new life. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, sent a Savior to set us free from the brokenness, whether it was World War II or COVID-19. And my dream, I mean, I, I mean this, my dream is that the truth of that story will permeate each of our souls and it'll change us so that day by day we begin to love and understand and live more for God. Jesus said, and this is the Apostle John this time writing in John 16, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the apostle Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Isaiah 40, 31 said, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The movie, White Christmas, it's got the same plot as a hundred other Christmas movies, okay? The main characters are in some sort of despair, and then there's a Christmas miracle that saves the day. But the story of Jesus isn't just a movie. He is the real deal Christmas miracle. To dive in and save us from our own selves, and to give us hope of eternal life. And it comes with an invitation. And the invitation is twofold. The first one's for you. Uh, all of us, each one of us, is for, it's, it's just for you. The invitation is that whatever brighter day you dream about, that if you want that, your first step is to point your life to Jesus and his kingdom. Now, here's the thing. He might not give you the thing that you're hoping for. And it might not be what's best for you. But he specializes in giving us what we need. And as we seek him daily and we seek his kingdom first, he shows up and he makes a difference in our life and it begins by each of us taking a knee to jesus as lord like it's one thing just to say jesus is the reason for the season and have a facebook status where like i'm christian and you've got like the nativity scene and it's like i've got a bible in my house like that's not what it means to be a christian it's not just a, a, a name badge we wear it's a loyalty it's a fealty that we swear. It's we get on one knee and we say, I mean, literally or figuratively, we just say, Lord, you, you are my God. I serve you and I serve no one else. You're the king of my life. Maybe you need to do that for the first time. The invitation is there for you just like it was, uh, just like it is for, for all of us. Maybe you want to talk about becoming a Christian today. I want to encourage you, reach out to us on Facebook. You can make a note in the comments or shoot us a message straight to our Facebook page. I'll see it among a couple other people. And we'll get you into con connection with People who can talk, grab a cup of coffee and just talk through life. One of the first things that we do when we have faith in Jesus is we have Christian baptism. We're actually put underwater. It's a symbolism of the death to our old south and the rising and newness of life. And Acts chapter 3 verse 38 says, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like what a great Christmas gift for yourself and for God. Maybe you'd like to do that this week. Please reach out to us. We'd love to help you make that happen that, that's the invitation but the second invitation is for everyone who's made that decision who everyone who's taken that knee and the invitation is simple we say it every single week to shine that light the world is full of darkness a valley of death as Zechariah describes it 
But we've got the real deal happy ending Christmas story. And we can help people along in their hurt marriages and in their addictions and in their issues, whatever they are. And we can help them know the love and the grace that comes through Jesus. And with his presence in our life, Lord, may our days be merry and bright. In Jesus' name. Merry Christmas, guys. Let me pray for us this morning.